Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The Week 8 preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by, of course, our good friends at MyBookie. What's going on, everybody? You know what? Who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with, and that's why I will always tell you to go with MyBookie. They've been good to me. They'll be good to you because when you win, they pay. They have in-game live betting, over-unders on fantasy points scored, and the most rewarding player perks in the business. And people, it is October. This is the best sports month of the year. You got football, college football, the NBA is getting started, NFL, or excuse me, NHL, and the World Series is going on as we speak. So there's plenty of action to get in there, and they've got plenty of bets uh, for you to make. So go ahead and get over to my bookie. And they want to give everybody the best service possible. And they'll do that. If you're willing to make a deposit after 7 p.m. Eastern, they'll give you an additional $25 in free play for deposits over $100. Join now, and my bookie will also match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use the promo code BEARS25 to activate the offer. Visit my bookie online today. That's my bookie. M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E, and don't forget to use the promo code BEARS25 when creating your account to get up to $1,000 in free play. So it's up to you guys, but you go to my bookie, it's the best bet that you'll be able to make. You play, you win, you get paid at my bookie. This week on the Bears Talk Underground, two straight losses after the bye have dropped our beloved from the top of the NFC North all the way to the bottom. But all is not lost as they look to bounce back and get their first win over an AFC's opponent when Sam Darnold and the Jets visit the Bears at Soldier Field on Sunday. Will the Bears' defense reappear, or will they continue to struggle? Michael Nania from SB Nation's Gang Green Nation joins us on the Week 8 preview episode of The Bears Talk Underground. Everybody likes to call seven the lucky number, but for me, eight has been the lucky number. I was born on March 8th, born in 78, so on and so forth, uh, and what have you. What's going on, everybody? Larry D. back for the week eight preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. And uh, like I said, eight is my lucky number. Hopefully, it will be the lucky number for our beloved this weekend when they take on the New York Jets and they can get their fourth win of the season, their first against an AFC East opponent and uh, basically get back to their winning ways because this thing has kind of gone off the rails the last two weeks against New England and Miami. So Michael Nania from – or Nania, excuse me. He corrected me when we were talking just earlier. Nania, not Nania, as I said in the intro. Uh, Michael Nania from Gang Green Nation and SB Nation will be uh, uh, with us here in a few minutes uh, to help us preview this game between the Bears and the Jets and – we talk a lot about uh, about Sam Darnold, the state of the the franchise, and you know the supporting cast. It very much sounds. I mean, they're they're having a bit more success than we are right now. Actually, if if we win on Sunday, when we win, when we win on Sunday, 
uh, they'll be three and five at the halfway mark like we were a year ago with our rookie quarterback and a less than stellar supporting cast on the offensive side. So they kind of mirror what we what we had going on last year. We talk a bit about that uh, as well. And, um, you know, it, it's uh, it, the, the Jets are an interesting team. They come out national TV. They're going to start their rookie quarterback against the Detroit Lions uh, on national television Monday night football. The kid comes out and throws a pick six on his first ever professional football throw. And uh, then he proceeds to lead the Jets to a 48-17 to victory over the Lions. Now, granted, they had a – I think he said they had a special teams touchdown, and, and I know that they had at least one pick six uh, on Stafford in that one, so he wasn't responsible for all 48 points. But he really did settle down and lead the team on offense to racking up big points against the Lions – in that Monday night game to to start off the uh, to start off the year, so I mean it's uh, that's no small thing for someone to come out right out of the gates and have it have it go as badly as it. I mean the only thing that could have gone worse on that particular throw would have been for him to hurt himself along with throwing a pick six on his first throw. The only thing that could have made that worse, but uh, and for him to be able to bounce back in the same game and lead his team to uh, to victory on national TV with the whole world watching. Uh, big big deal you know no small thing to uh to sneeze at but you know we talk quite a bit uh, about uh you know the supporting cast that is around them the offensive line which will be critical on Sunday and uh, hopefully they have one of he's he Mike called him an, an erratic was a word he used a lot hopefully they remain that way and they're erratic in a bad way as our our defensive front could definitely use a good day to bounce back to to become the defense that they were a few weeks ago before the bye, to be that dominant team that everybody was saying that they were special on the defensive side of the ball to go along with our you know our budding offense uh, and everything to to get this thing back on back on track. So we'll see how that all turns out on Sunday. But uh, you know, listening to to Mike describe the team and and the state that they're in right now, feeling pretty good about Sunday and the chances to at least um, play better than we have on defense the last couple of uh, weeks. Uh, but before we get our dis- to our discussion with Mike, got a few uh, news and notes. Uh, for those of you who follow me on Twitter, at BTU underscore Larry on Twitter, um, I did a poll the last couple of days uh, leading up to tonight's show. Should the Bears trade Leonard Floyd? There was a, 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 an article I read on Bears Wire uh, to, you know, kind of throwing it out there. The trade deadline is next um, next Tuesday, I believe, on the 30th is when the trade deadline goes through. We've already seen a few trades this week. Eli Apple traded from the Je- uh, the Giants to the uh, Saints on Tuesday, ironically, a day after he played against them on Monday Night Football. Um, the Giants also traded uh, Snacks Harrison uh, to um, Detroit. So we'll get to see him. Uh, in a couple of weeks, they gave up a fifth round pick to get him, add him to their interior defensive line. Uh, and I think those are the two big ones that have happened so far. Oh, Amari Cooper traded to the Cowboys from the Raiders for a first round pick. So now Gruden doesn't have Amari Cooper or Khalil Mack on his team anymore, but he's got three first round picks in the 2019 draft. So uh, we'll see what he can do uh, with those because they're uh, they're one in five right now and they're they're not they they don't look like they're going to be doing any better much uh, anytime soon. Anyway, should the Bears trade Leonard Floyd and and the reason that this question is asked is is, you know, the Bears have a decision to make after this season. 
and that is whether or not to pick up Leonard Floyd's fifth-year option. As a first-round pick, he has, he's got a four-year deal with a fifth-year option, and that fifth-year option catapults him into like the top ten of his position group. And I think we can all agree that while he showed flashes uh, in his first couple of years um, as a Bear, he's not a top ten uh, pass rusher, outside linebacker, whatever you want to call him. So the, the likelihood, in my opinion, and I think it's an opinion that many people share, the likelihood of the Bears picking up his fifth-year option are low uh, at this point, unless he absolutely explodes in the last... Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.com. Dot edu slash podcast last you know 10 games uh, of this season Leonard Floyd is going to be on a, a one-year prove-it deal next year uh, to finish out his rookie contract uh, much like Kyle, Kyle Fuller was uh, a year ago and like uh, Kevin White is right now actually but um, you know that'll be three straight first round picks that the Bears didn't pick their options up on that sucks but um, you know so the trade deadline is coming up try to get a little bit of something for him while we can. I mean, we still have him for another year after this, but he's not playing well right now. So the trade market for him, probably not all that great. There's not a huge desire for, for pass rushers, or at least not, not the nice see uh, in the market right now. But should the Bears try to get something for Floyd while they can, uh, the votes are tallied and the results were no you guys don't think we should trade Leonard Floyd 59% say no 41 in favor uh I am I didn't obviously didn't vote in my own poll but I am with the uh yes group I think the Bears if the Bears get an interesting um deal they should definitely do it um I don't think at this point you know I think the youth that's on his side right now and his potential could get the Bears maybe a fourth round pick fifth round, fourth round, something like that. I think that would be their best bet there, but obviously not a great return when you're picking a guy in the top 10 at number nine and you trade it up to get him on top of that. So not the greatest return, but getting something for him as opposed to just letting him go after his fourth year is up uh, next season. But again, a lot of things can change between now and the end of the 2019 season. But right here, right now, he was, he, you know, he showed decent flashes his first two years, and you, you, you'd figured that one of the great um, products of the Khalil Mack trade would be Leonard Floyd would be able to run, you know, or rush the passer one-on-one. He wouldn't be double-teamed anymore because he was the great pass-rushing threat or the best pass-rushing threat that we had 
the last couple of years. With Khalil Mack on the other side, Leonard Floyd could be a beast. Well, it's been anything but. You know, Khalil Mack, aside from the last couple of weeks, he's been hampered with that ankle injury. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, you know, Khalil Mack has been a monster. He has been a guy that's drawing double and triple teams on his side. And Leonard Floyd's been good against the run, but he's been a ghost in pass and pass rushing. Zero sacks, only two quarterback uh, hurries or hits or whatever. Definitely not what you want to see, especially from a guy who was drafted in the top 10 to be the, your, the premier pass rusher on your team. If Leonard Floyd is the beast that we drafted him to be, maybe we don't make the trade for Khalil Mack. So who knows? But um, nonetheless, it is what it is. If the Bears got a decent enough deal, I would say go ahead and and do it. And we we ride the, the rest of the year out with, uh, you know, maybe bring up Kylie Fitz or Isaiah Irving to back up Khalil Mack and uh, Aaron Lynch to be our starting outside uh, linebacker. So we've, we've got options back there. But, um, you know, I would vote yes on, on trading him if the deal was right, uh, not for just getting rid of him for the sake of getting rid of him. So um, you guys voted no, so that's how the poll turned out, 59% in favor of no. Speaking of Khalil Mack and his ankle injury, as of right now, Wednesday and Thursday practices complete. He has not practiced yet on that bad ankle. So he's, you know, not yet. Uh, maybe f he did practice a little bit last Friday, so maybe he'll try to give it. He'll be limited again this particular, uh, this coming Friday and see how he's going. No one's talking about him missing the game or anything like that, but the question has, has been presented. Should the Bears sit Khalil Mack, let him rest that ankle, especially over these next two weeks, these very winnable games we have against the Jets and the Bills, let him rest up because after we get done with these next two games, we got three straight NFC North games. We got Detroit, Minnesota, and then Detroit on a short week at Thanksgiving. Those are the games that we need Khalil Mack 100% for. You know, first of all, we don't know how much below the 100% mark he is right now. We just know that he hasn't been himself the last two weeks, um, you know, and also the fact that he hasn't been practicing uh, during the week is also an indication that there may be trouble in paradise as far as the ankle is concerned what do you guys think should we sit him down uh, i'm i'm having trouble i go back and forth on it because i see the benefits of both number one you know granted i barely played i played a little bit in college and obviously in high school is where i saw most of my playing time but i was a guy that had trouble with ankle injuries but i played through them but I was also 17 years old with my ankle injuries and things like that. I recovered from a, from a badly sprained ankle. I had, I sprained my ankle on Tuesday, but I played on Saturday and so on and so forth. You know, the, the, the luxury of youth on my side there. And that's where my, my head is like, it's only an ankle injury, put some tape on it, get out there and do your job. On the other hand, it's, you know, this guy is, it's, he's not a one-year player. He's a seven-year investment that we're giving a lot of money to, and we've got a big push coming up. And we got three very, very important games coming after we get done with the AFC East in the next couple of weeks. I can see the argument for both sides. Rest him up, give him a couple of weeks to get uh, get rested up, be a hundred percent, then throw him out there against the Lions week number ten, and you know we'll go from there. Especially week eleven against the Vikings, definitely want him at full strength for that game. Uh, as well I mean the Vikings are in first place now as you heard me mention in the open um, you know granted the Bears are tied with the Lions however the Lions are 1-0 in the division because they beat Green Bay 
we are 0-1, therefore we are underneath them on the, uh, on the, in the standings. So we're in last place after spending the last few weeks in first place um, on top of the uh, division. The Vikings are in first place right now. They have the most wins at 4-2-1. and one. So they're the team that we're chasing uh, at the moment. And uh, <laughs> we, 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 we're going to need Mac. We're going to need him. But this is also a guy who hasn't missed a game yet in his career. And it's only an ankle injury. So like I said, I can see both sides of this thing. So maybe we just ran into teams that, that's, you know, and you heard me mention last week. And for those of you that do follow me on Twitter at BTU underscore Larry, you know that, that we put those audio cards out each week with those little one minute clips to kind of preview the show. And I did talk about how the bears did not take advantage of the matchups that we were looking forward to. The one that Alex Shane was worried about was Marcus Cannon. He was out with the concussion. So they had the backup in there on the right side where we've seen Khalil Mack line up most of the time here in Chicago. We never lined him up at all on the right side. And, uh, you know, I just felt like we, we missed a huge opportunity there and, uh, against Miami, we spent a little too much time dropping into coverage and, and things like that against Osweiler and the Dolphins, and it worked against us. Same thing happened week one against the, the Packers. We got soft in coverage and, uh, and everything in the second half, and Aaron Rodgers just sat back and picked us apart. So if the Bears stay aggressive, I think the Bears win, and they get after Darnold. They, they force some mistakes because he's leading the league in interceptions right now, so that's something that we need to look at as well. But I'm – I'm six in one hand, half a dozen in the other. I can't seem to to, to land on, on one side or the other. You know, gun to my head, I say no. Don't rest him. We need him out there. Go ahead and do it. But you could definitely twist my arm and, and, and convince me to go the other way. You know, especially for a guy like myself, my own personal perspective, I've had my share of ankle injuries. They're not that big a deal. If the ligaments aren't torn or anything like that, put some ice on it during the week. Put some tape on it in game day and get your ass out there and do what we're paying you to do. So that's just uh, my own personal take on it. But I could definitely see the virtue of sitting him down to get him ready for that Detroit, Minnesota, Detroit gauntlet we have to run uh, in a couple of weeks. And then finally, we talked about it briefly uh, on the review show. Thanks to, you know, his his almost heroics against the uh, against the Patriots there on that Harold Mary pass. Also the fact that Allen Robinson has yet to uh, practice yet with that groin injury. Kevin White could see a bit more playing time, could be a big part of what we're doing this Sunday uh, against the Jets. Sounds like this would be the best game for it. And um, I'm happy for the guy. You know, we're, we're deeper into the year than we've ever been with a healthy Kevin White on the roster. He's been patient. He hasn't been complaining, or at least not that anybody knows of anyway, and his chance is is coming. He made, he made um, he took advantage of the opportunity he was given last week against uh, New England, even though he was thrown out there in, in, in desperation because Robinson was out, but he made a key catch for 10 yards in the, in the game that led to the, I think it was on the Trey Burton touchdown drive, and then of course, you know, he was inches away from being the hero of the game and sending it to overtime against the Patriots when he came down with the Hail Mary toss. So, um, you know, I, I would like to see, you know, give him a chance, man. We'll see what happens. You know, I would, as far as pass catching targets, I would take him over Bellamy twice, a, you know, every day of the week and twice on Sunday. I, I would much rather see Kevin White out there than Josh Bellamy when it comes to going out for uh, for passes and, and, and being a better part of the, of the offense. All due respect to Josh Bellamy, but 
the guy just not really the greatest at catching the ball. That has been his reputation while he's been in Chicago. Not a, He's got the stone hands, you know. He's not the most reliable guy when it comes to catching passes. And, uh, you know, I would just like my chances better with Kevin White. We just got to get him out there and give him a chance. So hopefully if he does get out there on Sunday, he makes the most of it. And, uh, you know, if this is his last year in Chicago, he can go out with a bang. So. Anyway, that's all we got for 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 news and notes, and uh, we're gonna go ahead and and bring on uh, uh, Mike Nania from uh, Gang Green Nation on SB Nation to help preview the Bears and the Jets for Week Number Eight. Week number eight, dear God, where does the time go? But here we are going into almost getting, I mean, closing off the first and first half of the season, getting ready to enter the second and the Bears with their third straight AFC East opponent, this time welcoming the New York Jets into Soldier Field, hoping to get their first AFC win. They're 0-2 so far. And to, to help us preview the game between the Bears and the Jets this coming Sunday, Michael Nania from Gang Green Nation and SB Nation. Mike, welcome back to the show, man. Thanks for having me back on. And yeah, you're right. The season, it just flies by so fast. It's crazy. It feels like a couple of weeks ago, the Jets were having their quarterback competition, Bridgewater, McCown, Darnold. But here we are at the halfway point of Darnold's first season and the Bears obviously having an up and down start. It's crazy how fast these seasons go. Yeah. I mean, we were talking about it just before we started recording. It's like the 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 long agonizing off season. It feels like it will never end. And then the season finally gets here. And then you blink and it's like, Jesus, where did it go? You know, we're almost already halfway done and it feels like we haven't really even gotten started yet. So, I mean, it's amazing how quickly it finally goes once it's finally here because it feels like it's never going to get here. And then once it does, it's like, oh, where did it go? So, yeah, it's 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 pretty stressful as a as a football fan because, you know, you got six more months of waiting when this season ends like a week from now. You know, it's crazy how fast it goes by. Yeah, it's crazy. It's just and it, just the nature of football, just having having to wait a week between each game kind of plays into that. But, sure. yeah, it's just so crazy to be halfway through at this point already in late October. It's, it, that's how football works. So Yeah, so when we talked uh, back in June already, we talked a bit about that, how it's been 16 weeks since we spoke last uh, already. Um, but when we talked back in June, there was still some kind of – debate on how much Darnold would would how much action he would see if he would start if McCown was going to be the guy maybe it was Bridgewater because he was performing well in in OTAs and then finally came down to it Bridgewater was traded off to the to the Saints and it was McCown and Darnold and then Darnold wins the job and then comes out week one and you know thank I mean there were a couple of defensive touchdowns but helped lead the the Jets to an to a road win on Monday Night Football, national TV, a huge decisive win over the Lions. And how about that? Darnold was the guy week one, and you get your win right off the bat. Yeah, that was the most impressive thing about that game is I'm sure everybody has heard of seeing the the pick six he opened the game with. It was ugly, but yeah. that was the most impressive part of that game, the way he bounced back from that and played an efficient game the rest of the way. And like you said, the Jets they had a – uh, pump return touchdown that game they had pick six so Donald got a lot of help in that game the run game is also strong the offensive line 
that to this point, that's still their best game of the year so far. They were really clean in pass protection. So Darnold got a lot of help. But the thing that you you really are impressed by from that game is the way he bounced back from that pick six and just led a scoring drive the next time he came out, led the team to 41 offensive points in that game. And even though he got help, he did his job and he came back and bounced back from that mistake, didn't let it snowball into another pick and another pick because that's something that Jets fans have gotten used to seeing from their young quarterbacks, whether it was Geno Smith, Mark Sanchez, they would make their one mistake, then they would press, and they would come out and throw another pick and another pick with snowball. But for Darnold in his first start ever in primetime on the road, as the youngest starting quarterback in the history of the league to come back the way he did after that pick was really impressive and something that has really carried in, carried over through the rest of the season so far against Denver. He threw an interception that could have let the Broncos back into the game. That one wasn't his fault, but he bounced back from that one against the Colts. He threw a pretty bad pick early, and the Jets were trailing in the first in the first half. And the Jets came back to score over forty points and beat the Colts. So that's that's been a really impressive constant from that very first play of his career. Uh, his ability to bounce back from turnovers and uh, say even keel through the highs and the lows. Well, I mean, just just looking at your your schedule, your your wins and losses, it would appear that the team goes as the offense goes because the lowest point total you have in your three wins is 34 points. You win week one against Detroit, you score 48 points. Uh, 34 against Denver a couple of weeks ago, and then 42 against Indianapolis, as you mentioned just a moment ago. Uh, in your four losses, 12, 17, 12, and 17, you know, so basically if, if you're not scoring 30 points, it looks like you're losing every game. Yeah, the offense is... It's been extremely erratic, and the run game is a really big part of it. Um, in the three losses, I believe they're averaging around 160 yards per game. In the Denver win, they actually set, uh, I believe, is the second most franchise uh, rushing yards they ever had. Isaiah Crowell set the franchise rushing record. So yeah, what they're running the ball really when they're running the ball well, they're hard to stop because then Darnold can bounce back off of that. The Jets have a lot of guys who can make plays underneath. Uh, well. Quincy Nunwa is now going to miss the Bears game, but he was making a lot of plays underneath. He's one of the best yak guys in the game. Uh, so Darnold's been able to feed off of the run game when that's been thriving. But the big thing with the run game is the offensive line. They're a really erratic unit. They're not they're not one of the few worst units in the league, but they're definitely not an above-average unit. They're kind of in that tier in between average and below average. So they've had their games where it's really clicked and guys are winning matchups and they're winning double teams and just creating holes at the line of scrimmage for and Isaiah Correll is a big play running back. He's boomer bust. He's either going to give you 40 yards on 15 carries, or he's going to give you 200, uh, whatever he had against Denver, the team record. He's going to, he's going to give you big plays or he's going to get stuff. So, and the offensive line has kind of played into that. There've been games where, like I said, where it's really clicking, Darnold bounces off it and the team goes for 35, 40 points. And there's been games where the run game is completely stagnant and, a lot of pre- too much pressure is put on Darnold and the offense stalls. And in three of those losses in the Miami game or the Jets, I, I think ironically, the Jets scored 12 points in that Dolphins game. That's their season low so far. But Darnold was pretty good in that game. I'm pretty sure he threw for somewhere around 330 yards. And he was pretty good in that game, but his receivers let him down with big drops and he made a couple key mistakes in the red zone. But overall, he's pretty solid in that game. But it was the supporting cast that let him down that time. But the other three losses are a different story. And the the loss at Cleveland, in which Baker Mayfield led the comeback on Thursday night. Right. The loss at Jacksonville, that was uh, 
pretty embarrassing effort. And the loss last week at Minnesota, Darnold struggled in those games. And uh, he's had troubles. Uh, against Minnesota, he actually took a few shots downfield that he shouldn't have when there were checkdowns available underneath. Uh, against Cleveland, he did some of the same things, uh, kind of the opposite, actually, where there were downfield shots available that he didn't take and instead threw the ball away. Then against Jacksonville, actually, there were opportunities there, but he was just a little bit off on a few shots down the field. So you could you would just tell from the way I explained those three games. There have been all kinds of issues, but that's just the nature of a rookie quarterback because, yeah. like we said, those other three games, he's been really efficient. I, I'm pretty sure he's the... He, he's actually the first quarter, rookie quarterback in the history of the league to have three games with at least two passing touchdowns and over nine passing yards per attempt in his first six games in the league. So that just shows you the potential that he's shown. But at the same time, he's still a rookie and a 21-year-old rookie at that. The, like I said earlier, the youngest starter, opening day starter in the history of the league. So he's having his typical ups and downs, but the, the highs have been really impressive and have given you a lot of promise for the future. Yeah, I was going to say that um, you know, when you're describing like he 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 took some shots that he shouldn't have and then the the week after he he didn't take the shots that he should have. And I was like, yeah, it sounds like he got a rookie as the quarterback right now. That's what that sounds like. I mean, it's um, you know, they are rookies and when they're rookies, the you know, even the good ones tend to they, they look like they're thinking a bit too much. You know, like instead of just going out there and taking what the defense gives them and just playing the game, as they're going through their progressions, they're thinking about what would happen. You know, in that in those microseconds where all that stuff is happening, it seems like there's there's more going on in their head as opposed to step step throw, uh, which is what what's the what the greats do: Breeze, uh, Brady, you know, Rogers, and so on and so forth. There's not a lot of thinking going on with those guys. It's all read and react for them. And where rookies run into problems is where they they spend a little too much time in their head instead of just going out there and playing the game. Right, and I, I think that's a really important reason why starting Darnold uh, from the off the jump was a really important thing for him because, and obviously you don't want to just hand the job to him if he doesn't deserve it, but Darnold was right there with Bridgewater and McCown throughout training camp and preseason, so he definitely deserved to start from the start from week one and go go through these bumps now instead of next year because, and you look at a guy like Patrick Mahomes, for example. He sat out most of last year, obviously got the start at the end of the season, but he sat out most of the year for Alex Smith while he played really well. The Chiefs competed, but that's a kind of situation where you can afford to do that because the Chiefs had a guy in Alex Smith who has proven himself to be a at least solid starter in the league, and they had a roster that they knew they could compete with. The Jets don't have that. Their uh, veteran starter in McCown had a solid season last year, but do the Jets have a roster that they expect to make the playoffs with? Or is McCown a guy that you can expect to compete with who set a career high last year with five wins as a starter? So, yeah, that's not the kind of roster that you expect to compete with. So putting Darnold in from the start was, I think he's really benefiting from. And obviously what's kind of transpired over the past couple of weeks with skill position guys getting hurt, the offensive line kind of struggling a little bit. Obviously that's not ideal, but... He's going through the bumps, and he still had some high highs, but some low lows as well. But you want him to learn to bounce back from those because he's going to have to make these mistakes sooner or later. He's going to have to make his first start sooner or later and his second start sooner or later. So it's definitely better to do that now instead of next year and try to maximize his uh, rookie contract window because that's the new norm in this league. And obviously yeah. the Bears are trying to do that as well with Mitch Trubisky. Try to build around 
that rookie contract of your quarterback. Uh, the Rams are doing it with uh, Jared Goff, obviously the Eagles with Carson Wentz, uh, the best example of doing that. So, yeah, get him there and just let him go through his bumps and learn from it. And especially with a guy like Darnold, who is a football first guy who is even keeled, just isn't ever going to get too high or too low. It's just going to go out there and play. It's really good for him to just get the mental reps and let him learn from his mistakes. Yeah, the blueprint of that um, of that formula would have to be the Seahawks. They were out there, you know, going around and, and paying all of the players while they were, you know, benefiting from this rookie contract. I mean, and not only was it a rookie contract they had Russell Wilson under, they had Russell Wilson on a rookie contract as a third round pick. Right. So I mean, I don't even think Russell Wilson was making a million dollars a season when they were, you know, when they had the Legion of Boom, they had the best defense in football and you know, they were going to back to back Super Bowls uh and, and everything. I don't even know I don't even know if he was making nine hundred thousand dollars uh a year. I mean, like that's chump change or whatever, but still compared to what you know, like Rogers just signed a contract, he's gonna pay him like thirty four million dollars uh a season and everything. Now Russell Wilson is making twenty plus million dollars a season and the Seattle's struggling and they're they're trimming the fat on on, on the roster sending guys elsewhere, and now they have to rebuild around Wilson as a $20 million quarterback as opposed to building a team around him as a $900,000 quarterback. Right, and yeah, it's definitely a good point because the quarterback is the most important position on the field, so if you could be cheap there and get your guy, get your young quarterback up to a certain point where he's a competition, like a quarterback you can compete with because Right now, Darnold isn't that. He's 31st out of 33 qualifiers in passer rating. He leads the league in interceptions, but he's a rookie, and that's what you expect. His You compare his numbers to other rookies of the past decade or so, and the guys his rookie year so far compares closest to is guys like Andrew Luck, Russell Wilson, like you mentioned, Matt Ryan. Those are the three names, actually, that if you take Darnold's numbers now and compare them to other rookies and their first seven games of their careers, those are the guys he compares closest to. So it's not unusual at all for Darnold to struggle like this and obviously guys like Dak Prescott a few years ago, even RG3 a few years ago have set the bar high for production in rookie years but playing phenomenal as a rookie doesn't always guarantee that they're going to be phenomenal for the rest of your career obviously like the two guys I just mentioned haven't come close to what they did as rookies so right. as long as you don't look completely lost out there I think that it's a good sign for the rest of your career as long as you can obviously continue to make the necessary progressions and Darnold has not been lost at all so yeah there are definitely some sometimes it's circumstantial whether you want to start a guy week one or sit him for the first year or maybe sit him for the first half of the year it always depends on the circumstances but I definitely think the Jets made the right move in starting Darnold and he's been pretty exciting throughout the first seven weeks obviously some highs and lows but like I said a bunch of times it's just what you go through with a rookie quarterback, and the promise has still been there, though. Yeah, and, and it's really a test of um, you really will know what you've got in him after the first year, and especially one that, that you guys are going through right now. You, you, you win big week one. You know He makes that horrible mistake on his very first throw and then comes back and leads the team to a 30-plus win on national television, of all things. And then you follow it up with three losses, including another – national tv game the thursday nighter against cleveland um then you win two straight uh, against denver and and indianapolis and then run into the buzzsaw that is the minnesota vikings in 
uh, Minnesota, the up and down nature of it, you'll know what you have in Darnold by the end of the year by how he's responded to these ups and downs and the struggles and leading the league in interceptions but still not afraid to make throws and, and take chances uh, and things like that. I mean, I'm pretty sure that um, the Jets are feeling pretty good about uh, Darnold falling into their laps at, at number three when they weren't expecting him to be there. Yeah, absolutely. And Darnold falling to three was definitely a surprise. I think most fans thought it was going to be a choice between Josh Rosen and Baker Mayfield. And right. the news came out on draft day that the Browns are leaning Mayfield, but you hear a lot of noise throughout the process. So I personally wasn't really buying that until the Browns actually came out with the pick. So it's definitely a shock for Darnold to be there. And he does seem like the kind of guy that they would want to go after. And that's what most of the reports have been post-draft that he was their number one guy. And obviously there were a lot of other reports that he was pretty much number one for most teams, obviously the Browns being one of the exceptions, but yeah, the jets were definitely really excited to have him. And it's a roller coaster ride with rookies. That's just how it is. And unless you get, unless you can throw them into a situation with elite, elite skill players or a good offensive line and established kind of culture, like we've seen other successful rookies step into, they're probably not going to be good NFL starters in year one. And Sam Darnold isn't that yet, but that's completely fine. What you want to see from him is, can he bounce back from his low points? Can he progress in areas where he's struggling? And can he give you, can he flash potential that you can be excited about and build around going forward? And he's absolutely checking all those boxes so far. So you mentioned the offensive line. Um, what is going on with the offensive line? You you mentioned that they were erratic. Is it just a, you know, a good line, bad line kind of thing? They're great one week, they're bad the next. Is it, is there injury problems? What's what's contributing to their to their back and forth nature? Well, I don't, there haven't been any injuries so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, the same five have started each game through this point in the season, but that's actually going to change this week as it looks like uh, starting center Spencer Long. He's going to miss this game, so. Injuries and with Spencer Long, actually, he's actually um, they signed him from Washington in the offseason after they really struggled that position last year with Wesley Johnson, who has not even caught on with another team as a backup. So that's how much they struggled there last year. And Spencer Long is supposed to solve that problem, but he's been pretty disappointing, frankly. Uh, he's had a decent first couple of games, but over the last five games, he's really, really caught the eye of most of the fan base. He's struggling in pass protection, allowing multiple pressures a game, which I do. ideally you don't want from a center, the best centers in the league, especially Jets fans. Jets fans are spoiled at that position. They went about two decades with Kevin Maui and Nick Mangle. Yeah, so man, those cool, guys yeah. are going to – yeah. So those guys are going to spoil you. But still, Spencer Long, even aside from those standards, he's been really struggling. And the biggest thing with him actually has been his – shotgun snapping and against minnesota it was a disaster he really blew up so many plays with his inability to just snap the ball accurately high low darnold actually on one plate caught a snap one-handed threw an in-stride dart to sharon peak who is a backup receiver who's in the game because of so many injuries bounces off his chest interception and that that's just kind of game that the jets had in minnesota darnold saves the potential turnover throws what should be a first sound and it ends up as an interception in the box score but yeah Spencer Long he and run blocking was something that was a question for him coming over from Washington and he's been up and down there actually 
probably better there than I thought he would be. But pass protection, shotgun snapping, it's been a disaster for him. But on the overall, I think this is a line that doesn't have a stalwart kind of guy that you could like a Pro Bowl left tackle or a great center, a guy who is going to be clean every just about every single snap every single week. They don't have that guy, but they also don't have uh, that one guy who is a complete liability blowing up the whole line. So I think that having five guys who aren't terrible, but still not having that one elite guy is kind of a good way to define this line and kind of why that they're a middling kind of unit and sure. why they're so inconsistent each week. But on the positive side, I think the best player on this unit has been the right tackle, Brandon Shell, who was a fifth round pick a couple of years ago. And he had a, he didn't start in his, until late in his first year and he battled injuries last year, but this year he's been really improved. His pass protection is really, really solid. He's a big, long guy who over his first couple of years didn't really know how to use that. He got beat with power a lot, beat to the inside, but he's figured out how to use that size and he's really locked down that right side in pass protection and played a big role in the Jets. Kind of in, in pass protection, really, they've been kind of average this year and Brandon Shell's a huge part of that. Uh, on the left side, left tackle, Kelvin Beecham. He's had a good year so far. Not spectacular, but he's a solid stopgap. Uh, he was pretty good in Pittsburgh. He had an ACL injury, went to Jacksonville, struggled there, but they signed him before last season. He was solid last year, and he's been pretty good again this year. He's susceptible to a few bad games here and there. He actually, uh, Daniel Hunter beat him pretty bad last week. That was actually probably his worst game of the year against the Vikings, but overall, he's been pretty solid too. So, yeah, I think you look at the bookend pass protection between Beecham and Shell on the left and right. That's probably the strength of this offensive line, but the weakness is the run blocking on the interior between Spencer Long, uh, right guard Brian Winters. He's He's been really erratic. Uh, on the whole, I think he's kind of struggled, especially uh, in the power game. But like I said, in between the tackles, that's where the Jets struggle most to be consistent. So, yeah, it's, it's an erratic unit. It, they don't have a superstar, but I also don't think they're terrible either. But overall, they're below average, and you could get a great game from them on a given weekend. They could also have a game where they're just completely a liability. So that's the kind of unit that they are. Is there a certain thing that they struggle with? Like, you know, do they struggle with, with uh, you know, power up front? Or is it, uh, you know, the fast guys that can shoot between the gaps, blitzing? You know, is there an, a particular weakness that they have? Because looking at your your four losses, Miami, Cleveland, Jacksonville, Minnesota, it's like Jacksonville and Minnesota are loaded with talent on the defensive side, so right. those kind of make sense. But Cleveland and, and Miami, they have their share of talent, but not so much that – you know, you know what exactly has been the you know like their Achilles heel, if you will, if they if they do have just one. Right. So in pass protection, I think you look at guys, the really talented edge rushers. They've had a problem stopping those kind of guys. Like I mentioned, Daniel Hunter had his way with Kelvin Beachum last weekend. For Beachum in particular, he's only a six foot left tackle. That's almost completely unheard of. And wow. His lack of size is or six six two. Actually, six two, but still, really small for a left left tackle. And a guy like Hunter, who knows how to use his uh, power, even though he's not a huge guy, that's the kind of guy that Beecham can struggle with. And on the other side, you have Brandon Shell. He struggled against Jacksonville, and in particular, with Shell is actually 
one move that was beating him time and time again against the Jaguars. Hmm. Uh, it was the in, an inside spin move from Dante Fowler used it against him, uh, Yannick Ngakwe. So the kind of for Shell, it's really the guys who know how to use their technique and beat you with a particular move. That's the kind of guy that Shell can struggle with because still fundamentally he's not all even though athletically he's a pretty special uh, kind of guy right now. On pass protection, that's what uh, the kind of weaknesses have been for them too. But in terms of the run game, the Jets just aren't all that strong in between the tackles. And they're actually one of the issues is they do try to run an outside zone scheme. That's what they do a lot of. They're a zone running team. They like to run the outside zone a lot. Obviously, some inside zone in there. But James Carpenter at left guard, he's a guy who was probably one of their best offensive players a couple of years ago, and they signed him over from Seattle, but he's a mauler kind of buck. He's uh, thrived in a man scheme and he came over, but since the Jets have switched, he hasn't really thrived as much because he's not a guy who's all that good at getting on the move and beating his man off the ball. He's more of a head-on, beat-you, head-to-head kind of guy. So sure. he's James Carpenter at left guard has kind of struggled with the tra- the scheme transition. Uh, and At center, Spencer Long, he's just he's more of an athletic kind of center uh he relies on his technique and athleticism so power isn't something he uh does all too well with so really strong nose tackles have been a problem for him right guard brian winters one one thing he does do well is the jets let him going on poles across the line and he does a good job with those he's another guy who probably is uh more special with, with his athleticism than his power but again he's a guy who can get blown into the backfield right off the snap and kind of forced the running back to redirect. He's had that problem quite a bit this year. So strong guys up front and like the bears, I'm sure do have looking at their numbers and watching some of their games this year. I know they do have that with Akeem Hicks and a few other guys. So guys like that who are really uh, big, strong guys who can win off the ball mm-hmm. are the kind of guys they've struggled with in the run game. Okay. Well, I'm not hating that answer. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> So let, let's talk a bit about uh, about your defense uh, for a bit. I mean, aside from you guys having the uh, the guy that I wish we drafted last year, I love Trubisky, um, but that's definitely not where my head was at when we went into the draft last year. I was all about uh, Jamal Adams being uh, you know the safety that's going to be on the back end of our defense for the next decade. Uh, and you also have a guy that I thought that was one pick away from falling in our laps. Uh, and that was Leonard Williams, who, if the Jets pass on him, I have no doubt that John Fox, the defensive-minded coach, probably would have taken him at seven. Instead, we settled for Kevin White <laughs> at uh, at number seven instead when you guys took Leonard Williams. But, um, you know, like those guys are living up to their draft stock uh, as high first-round picks uh, as, you know, Adams uh, is doing well on the back end and, and, and Williams is, is the stud that he was uh, in college. Um, what else do we have to look forward to on the defensive side that the, the Bears might want to keep an eye on? Yeah, so I'll actually talk about those two guys first a little bit because those are the two headliners, um, probably the first two guys in the mind of any defensive coordinator going against this team. So, yeah, Jamal Adams, he's been he's pretty much the face of this team outside of Darnold, definitely the face of the defense. Uh, the culture, and culture is kind of an overrated thing because you win, the culture gets better. But right. Yeah, Adams is a guy who's come in, and he's been a leader on and off the field. He represents the team really well, so he's a really likable guy. You love his passion, and you can see it on the field, but 
as a player, he's I think he's been the best player on the on the team this year, and I don't think anybody would debate that. He had a good rookie year. He was defending the run well. He was contributing to a few t- uh, takeaways that the defense had, but he did struggle in coverage. I believe he gave up five touchdowns in coverage last year, all of those to tight end. So he had his struggles in coverage last year, but this year he's really starting to putting it all together. In run defense, he's gone from good to just great, especially the Jets love to put him on the edge, kind of in an outside linebacker kind of role. And when he's been in that situation, he's been great. Coming off the edge, he's finished tackles in the backfield so, so well, uh, especially going low. He just knows how to finish those tackles. He forced a fumble on one as well this year. So off the edge, defending the run is where he's been most dominant. He's been really, really good there. But the thing that's special about him is that he's not a one-trick pony at all. He does so many things well, and his coverage is the biggest thing. He's gotten so much better in coverage this year. His number's way, way down in terms of the production that he's allowed. He's doing better in man coverage, and last year, kind of the problem with him in man coverage was that he was actually really close a lot of the time, but either he would trip at the top of the route, or he would gamble on a gamble making a play on the ball and just let the ball slip through his hands into the hands of the receiver, and obviously playing Rob Gronkowski uh, he had a good game against Adams. That's not going to help your numbers at all, but right. he's been a lot better this year. Uh, just at the catch point, at the top of routes, staying tough, staying tight to the receivers, and just forcing them to make tight plays because Adams is a strong, athletic guy who, even though he doesn't have the size to match up with tight ends, he can stick with them athletically, and he's strong enough to give them a tight matchup. So he's done a much better job sticking with tight ends and man coverage his his own coverage is still probably one of the areas of his game that could improve more he's been a little bit slow a few times but he's still been improved there as well making uh more plays on the football in coverage than he was last year and as a blitzer too he's really effective his speed really shows when the jets send him after the quarterback he's done good there um as a deep safety the jets use him sometimes in that role he thrives there and coming as a downhill run defender from the safety position. He does good there, too. So you just have to love what you've seen from Adams. He does so many different things well on and off the field. Great leader. So Adams definitely has been a definitely great pick for the Jets last year. And a lot of fans look at whether the Jets pass on Mahomes or Watson. But it doesn't matter because they have Darnold now anyway. So you have to love what you've gotten from Adams. And I was reading uh, real quick. I was reading an article today on Jamal Adams and how he was absolutely convinced on draft day that he was going to come to Chicago and uh, how surprised he was because L- L- the Bears didn't even call Trubisky to tell him they were picking him. Nobody called – or the, no, the Bears called no one when they made the trade to go up to number two. So, like, no one got a phone call, and then all of a sudden Trubisky got, got picked by the Bears, the team that he was certain that he was going to, and then he ends up falling into the Jets, which ended up being a – a happy, you know, accident for him. Yeah, it's crazy. It was actually the second time in three years that the Jets got this uh, steal of a defensive player at the number six pick. And right. first he had Williams 2015 and then Adams 2017. Two guys who a lot of people thought were arguably maybe the best overall players in their respective draft classes. So that's twice the Jets get that kind of player to fall into their lap. So I think the Safety wasn't something you're looking at going to that draft as the Jets have to fix this need. It was a, a hole for sure that they need to fix, but it wasn't that kind of a glaring need. But when a guy like Adams falls there who could play so many roles, which is 
really important in today's NFL, just having chess pieces who could thrive in a lot of different matchups. Adams is that kind of guy, so Jets definitely had to pick him. But the other guy, Leonard Williams, he's really interesting kind of kind of discussion among Jets fans. I think no one's going to argue that Leonard Williams is a good player. No one's going to argue that. But a lot of fans are kind of disappointed in him in terms of his sack uh, his sack production. And I think, like I said, with Williams, he's a guy who a lot of people said was the best player in that draft class. So I think mm. expectations were set really high for him by sure. the media and just the way his uh, the way he was hyped as a prospect before the Jets picked him. So I think fans are kind of expecting probably him to be like an Aaron Donald type kind of force, which is a lot to expect out of any guy. But at the same time, I think Williams has also kind of been stuck in the mud since his first season. And like I said, he's a good borderline Pro Bowl interior defensive lineman, but he hasn't really taken that step yet from really good to great. And I think it's fair for fans to be disappointed with that. But at the same time, you look at the other names that went after Leonard Williams, like you said, Kevin White went after uh, right after he was picked. Um, So... Yeah, I think that it's hard to argue with the production that Leonard Williams has brought to the Jets. He racks up the quarterback hits, and I do think that quarterback hits are a little bit overrated because obviously uh, there's a huge gap between what that's worth and a sack. But still, he does create a lot of pressure. He gets to the quarterback quite frequently, even if he's not finishing it with sacks. And it's hard for him to get sacks without any help from the edge rush because the Jets have not had an edge rush since he's been here, an effective one. And he does draw a lot of double teams, and that is going to hurt his stats, but it does help the team. So I think he has had a lot of off-the-stat sheet impact. He's been a really good run defender. That's something he's consistently done well. He stuffs a lot of runs. He wins his matchups, redirects running backs quite a bit. So he's been a a really good player. I think it's impossible to argue that he's been the highest impact player on this team cumulatively since he's been drafted. But fans definitely... There, there's a pocket of fans that are have expected a lot more out of him and are disappointed, and I think that's fair. But at the same time, it's impossible to argue with what he's brought at the number six pick, and especially comparing him to the rest of that draft class. Sure, sure. And <clears throat> aside from those two, who else on the on the team on the defensive side um, is? I mean, you know, you guys got Tremaine Johnson, so you got a good corner. Has he been living up to the contract you guys gave him? Yeah, that, that's a huge discussion among this fan base. Uh, so Johnson's probably – I don't think he's going to be out there this week. I'm pretty sure he's doubtful. But in the games he did play, he was kind of disappointing. He had a good – his one – his best game was against Miami in week two. And this is the kind of corner that Johnson is. He's not going to stand out in the games where he picks off two, two passes and takes one of them 99 yards to the house and then deflects five other passes. That's not the kind of corner he is. When Johnson's at his best, it's when you forget that he's on the team. And that's what he did against Miami. He matched up one-on-one outside against Kenny Stills a lot. And Kenny Stills came into that game really hot after what he did in week one against Tennessee. But Johnson completely took him out of the game with his physical coverage, shutting down deep routes. That's when he's at his best. But in week one against Detroit, he actually missed half of that game because of an injury during the game before he came back later. But he gave up a couple... 20 plus yard gains in the middle of the field he had a penalty uh, against Cleveland actually he was really really lucky not to get beat for what should have been a 75 yard touchdown to Antonio Callaway uh, Tyra Taylor underthrew that one 
And then he had two more penalties in that game, one of the play to extend a drive. And those are just not acceptable, And especially from a guy uh, getting as big a contract as he is, playing a position that's all about preventing opponent production. You can't have penalties like that. So the penalties have been an issue. And then uh, in the loss at Jacksonville, uh, some of the times he's been bailed out, that finally caught up to him. He actually... Dante Moncrief toasted him for like a 70-yard touchdown, and that's not something that you saw from him that often with the Rams. One of his best strengths was being able to take away the go route, take away uh, guys' ability to beat him on the sideline down the field. He didn't allow too many plays like that. He actually overall only gave up one touchdown for the Rams last year. So he's been kind of disappointing when he's been on the field, and him being out due to injury hasn't helped at all. But yeah, the Jets have paid Tremaine Johnson a lot of money to fit into Todd Bowles uh his affinity for cornerbacks who could play press man coverage and so far he definitely has left a lot to be desired and is this the first year of his deal this is the first year yeah okay so you're you're locked in for how many more um they're locked in for the first two years so this year next year and then I believe after next year they can they can cover a little bit of cap saving but i'm pretty sure they'd still be on the hook for about 10 million in dead money after mm. 2020 so yeah the jets are locked into him pretty good and he's already 28 so this deal goes into his 30 so it was a kind of a gamble the jets had money to spend though and they obviously had a lack of game changing balance you could say it was a worthy gamble to fix a position where they were definitely in need at cornerback but yeah, Johnson, it this is and also you're talking about a guy who didn't make a Pro Bowl in with the Rams in St. Louis and Los Angeles. And obviously Pro Bowls can kind of be uh, misleading in terms of representing a player's value, but he was a good but I'm not sure if he was ever a great corner in Los Angeles. So I don't think it was a just a huge fan of they made it and so far he hasn't done too much to change that the those opinions. Okay, and everybody else on the on the defensive side, just to kind of wrap up with the defense here, you know, anybody else besides those guys that uh, we need to keep an eye on, especially? I think the number one guy that you got to keep an eye on is Morris Claiborne, who hmm. had a good season as the Jets' number one corner last year, coming over from Dallas, and until he uh, suffered a midseason injury, he kind of fell off in the second half. But overall, he's pretty solid last year. So the Jets brought him back on a one-year deal because. Being the player that he is in Dallas, who struggled to stay on the field, obviously, like I said, struggled post-injury last year, came back in a one-year deal, kind of a prove-it kind of deal, and he's done a really good job so far. When Johnson was on the field, Claiborne was the number two guy, and he was doing a mostly really good job with those assignments, but since Johnson's gone out, Claiborne's moved into the number one role, and he's been just as good. He uh, Last week against the Vikings, uh, he was only targeted a couple of times for six yards until Late in the game, he did give up a what was kind of a miraculous 35-yard touchdown, I believe. It went right through his hands. It was a perfect throw from Cousins. But other than that, they barely even bothered to look his way. He's had a lot of good games this year. He's gotten his hands on a ton of balls. He's got a couple of interceptions, I believe. And his run defense as well is among the best at the position. He's uh, pretty sure tied for the lead lead in run stuffs among cornerbacks. So Claiborne's had a really phenomenal season, and whether or not it'll be interesting to see how the Jets handle him this offseason. But in terms of this season, what you're going to see this Sunday, Claiborne has had a tremendous season to this point and arguably played top 10, top 15 
kind of football at the position. So you're probably going to see him operate mostly on the right side of the field. Uh, you'll see him play some off man, some press man, but the kind of guy that Claiborne is, is he's a bend but don't break kind of corner. And the NFL has kind of really shifted to that as a whole with the scoring boom that you've seen this season. Just right. don't let teams beat you over the top, make them beat you in the red zone. And Claiborne plays right into that. He doesn't get beat over the top too often. Like I said, he's played the run great, and that's translated to underneath stuff in the passing game. He plays the screen game really, really well. Uh, at the catch point, 50-50 balls, uh, he's great at getting his hands on the football and playing those. Where you can beat him is he's going to give you uh, – you could beat him with 10, 15-yard out routes towards the sideline. You're going to get those on him because he's going to play, uh, giving you the, trying to give you the middle of the field. So if you attack his leverage, he's given up uh, some – that's been his biggest weakness, 10, 15-yard first downs. But, again, that's just the kind of corner that he is. He's hard to beat over the top. He's going to make plays on the football, and he's going to blow up your screens. But – He'll give you that 10-yard first down in order to accomplish all those things. So as we start to wrap things up here, um, you, you kind of mentioned it before, but I figure I wouldn't jump to the end and let us per- work our way to it. But as far as, um, you know, if if you're the Bears and, you know, you, you, you want to put together a strategy that's going to give us a victory against the Jets on Sunday, what I'm understanding is if you can stop the running game and put it on Darnold, your chances are, are going to be pretty good. Absolutely, yeah. And I think the the thing with Darnold is that their latest win prior to two weeks ago in week six against the Colts, that was the first time that you could say Sam Darnold was the reason the Jets won a game because mm. first two wins, he was he's efficient in those games. He played really good in the Detroit win and the Denver win. But he only threw, I believe, 21, 21 and 22 passes in those two games. So, he was just a part of that win. He bounced off of the run game, bounced off of the defense and the special teams. But against the Colts, the Jets gave up 34 points. Andrew Luck kept bouncing back and give, keeping the Colts in the game, even though his offense wasn't helping him out at all. But Andrew Luck kept bouncing back. The Jets could never pull away. And Sam Darnold had to keep scoring. And there was one point where the Jets scored eight drives in a row in that game. So even though a lot of them were field goals, uh, Jason Myers actually hit seven of seven field goals in that game but anyway Darnold kept leading long scoring drives without getting the help of field position and that was a great sign a great sign of progress from him showing that he could lead the team to a victory when he has to throw 30 40 passes I'm pretty sure he was above 40 pass attempts in that game so that was a sign of progress but then comes back against the Vikings and gets a lot of help from the defense and they were playing really good in the first half and he can't capitalize uh he missed uh, took some shots that he shouldn't have, failed to see stuff underneath, uh, missed some pretty easy throws short, too, that we haven't really seen from him. It was also his first game playing in relatively cold weather in the pros, and obviously for a guy coming from USC, growing up in California, it's a minor concern. Hopefully it doesn't linger because we've seen guys like Rogers, Brady, California guys who have done perfectly fine playing in cold climate, so I don't think that'll be a problem for him, but playing in his first game it might have been, but Anyway, yeah, so you stop the run, and for the most part, the Jets have really struggled, and Darnold especially, have struggled to really thrive in offense when the run game isn't going. And the key is just make Darnold beat you, and obviously that plays into the run game. Stop the run, make sure the run game isn't going, and the Jets are depleted at wide receiver. Jermaine Curse hasn't been 100%, but he's going to have to go out there and play a key role. Robbie Anderson might not even play this game. 
Quincy Nunez out, Terrell Pryor, he's not on the team anymore. Right. And Rashard Matthews, who the Jets just picked up off the street uh, after he started the season with Tennessee, he's probably going to play a big role this week. And also at running back, Bilal Powell, who has been uh, yeah, their best pass catcher. Yeah, he's done for the season with a neck injury. So he was their best pass catching running back. He was by far their best pass protecting running back. That's another thing, Isaiah Crowell. He is not an impact receiver, and he's a pretty awful pass protector. So (laughs) put the pressure on. Put guys in the box. Make Crowell pass protect. Make Darnold try and beat man coverage against um, these with these uh, his depleted receiving core. So stop the run. Make Darnold beat you. It's pretty typical formula for a rookie quarterback, but that's what Darnold's been, a typical rookie so far. Uh, Obviously, the promise is high long term, but right now, still have question marks of if he can be a guy who can consistently lead his team to wins against tough defenses on the road when he has to carry the team without getting a lot of help from field position defense special teams run game without those things he's only done it one time and coming off of that game he struggled to do it a second straight time so make sure you stop the run uh make these receivers beat you and darnold beat you and your odds of success should be pretty favorable any other areas of the team that are that have been? I mean, is it is injury a big problem for the Jets? Because you just mentioned like four guys in your receiving core that aren't going to be part right. of the team uh, on Sunday. Is that just is that the snake bitten, you know, position group, or is it something that's spread throughout the roster? No, injuries have really caught up to this team now at this point. After a pretty, uh, they had a healthy twenty seventeen, so maybe it's just things evening themselves out this year but mm. injuries are starting to really catch up to them uh i mentioned the receiver so you have uh prior was cut because of an injury anun was out curses in 100 percent. anderson could be out in this game uh Bilal powell's out for the year uh i mentioned earlier spencer long starting center he's not gonna play this game although like i said he was really struggling and playing through injury might have been part of it because there were reports for spencer long that he's playing through a finger injury so We'll see if uh, Jonathan Harrison, the backup center, is going to be a downgrade or not. But Spencer Long is out. And then on the defensive side, Tremaine Johnson, he probably isn't going to play this game. Uh, Marcus May, uh, the safety they drafted last year in the second round, who had a good rookie year. Uh, he started this season out, came back for a couple games. Now he's out again. So Marcus May, uh, I'm pretty sure he, he could play in this game, but he missed last week. So he would be returning banged up. Uh, Isaiah Crowell, back to the offensive side. Crowell, he's actually questionable to play this game too. So then wow. back on defense, uh, slot corner, starting slot corner, Buster Screen, he's missed the past couple of games. And his replacement is a sixth-round rookie in Perry Nickerson, who has really struggled in his absence. Probably Nickerson is probably one of the biggest holes in the defense right now. And like I said, he's a sixth-round rookie, so probably getting thrown in there earlier than you would hope. But He's been a really easy target in man coverage, getting beat over the top quite a bit out of the slot. So screen, starting slot corner, he's out. So, yeah, the Jets are really, really banged up right now. Yeah, I was going to say it probably would have been a shorter question or a shorter answer to ask you who isn't hurt uh, right now (laughs) than to ask you who was. Good God. Um, Well, you know, it's it's amazing um, the way that things go with with, with injuries and – you know, as as a Bear fan, I definitely know that feeling because we've basically led the league in injured reserve uh, the last few years. So I know what it feels like to just, 
you know, to hardly know the name of uh, half the roster when they're on the field because they're all replacing the replacements, replacements, you know, and things like that. You know, you're literally pulling guys off the practice squad, signing them off the street and uh, and everything like that. So when your team is is depleted in there, it's it's just cross your fingers and hope for the best kind of thing. And, uh, you know, and it it sucks even worse when you got a rookie quarterback that's trying to build a career at the same time. Yeah, and I'm I'm a tough guy to fool in terms of uh, the names on the roster. I'm pretty I, I'm pretty educated on all these guys, but it's getting to that kind of point, like you said, where they're just pulling guys off the practice squad you weren't even aware of. The Jets, actually, I didn't even mention this. They uh, only have one backup safety left. Two of their backup safeties have gone down. So wow, they're pulling a safety off the practice squad now. So and like you said, with Darnold too, that's a really big thing. Um, you want him to be able to get in a groove and have an adequate team around him to kind of, uh, you know, like I said, get get in a groove, uh, be able to build some progression and some confidence. And it's hard to do that when your receivers are in and out of the lineup. And we saw the effects of that last week when you threw a couple of interceptions late. One, Like I said, the, there was the one uh, dropped one that wasn't his fault. But still, it's hard to build a rhythm when you got guys cycling in and out of the lineup. So it's unfortunate, but... I think it all plays in terms of Darnold. I think it all plays back to what I said earlier. He's not going to have a great offense for his whole career. He's not going to have all of his starters in every game that he starts throughout his career. So what better time to get him used to those things than right now, right off the bat? Yeah, and it's actually actually one of the reasons I was heavily opposed to the Bears drafting quarterback period last year was because we had a very, very poor off season as far as adding you know receiver depth and, and and talent you know to I mean if we'd have had this year's off season and then drafted Trubisky I'd have been okay with him coming in as a rookie and playing and everything but we we had nothing and the last thing that I wanted to do was throw a rookie quarterback into that mix and I was wrong about the Bears drafting Trubisky because I really do think he's going to be somebody in this league but I was absolutely right about why we shouldn't have drafted him because the 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 strategy was simple and unlike we just talked about with with you know with the easiest the path the least resistance to beat the jets is to stop the running game if you stop jordan howard from running the football against the bears and challenge trubisky to throw to this menagerie of you know number four and number five receivers that we had on the roster last year chances are you were going to win that game and probably do it pretty easily so I, I definitely understand the struggle that you guys are going through right now and the growing pains that uh, that Darnold is going to have to suffer through this year. What kind of uh, cap space are you guys looking at next year? Would, would you be able to make some moves in free agency to get him some more immediate help? Cap space is there. Um, if not number one, the Jets are definitely number two or number three. Somewhere up there in cap space. It's definitely going to be there. This, this is not a team that has had a lot of guys worth extending because of their drafting struggle so the cap space is going to be there so we'll see what kind of moves they make because the skill position uh group in free agency isn't too enticing outside mm-hmm. of uh potentially Le'Veon bell uh the wide receiver and tight end groups aren't aren't that exciting uh i think golden tate might be the best wide receiver so we'll see if they make any skill position moves but definitely offensive line has to be a big focus to get them some help up front there and uh, on the defensive side, finally get someone who could rush on the edge. Obviously, the Bears took the guy that they wanted, Cleo yeah. Mack, who <laughs> apparently the Jets made the biggest off- offer for, uh, or 
an offer that rivaled the Bears, but the Raiders wanted to get him out of the AFC, which is fair. Sure. But yeah, so the Jets could definitely use some edge rush help. But the cap space is going to be there, and that's something that a lot of fans are excited about, and is a pretty big part of the the plan that the team this team has built to have that cap space next year. Yeah, and 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 Darnold might end up being your best bargaining chip for some of those players, especially if, right. if somebody hits the market unexpectedly or, or anything like that. And you know, Coach Nagy and and uh, you know Trubisky were were two major reasons why Allen Robinson, arguably the best wide receiver on this year's free agent market, decided to pick Chicago over Green Bay of all places. Those were the top two places that were after him, and he chose the Bears over the over the Packers, which. Most people would probably consider that madness to take <laughs> to take a second year guy and a first year coach over one of the greatest of all time, but that's the move that he made, and that's why he made it. So, you know, uh, Darnold could end up being your best uh, your best bargaining chip as far as like come and play with this guy, see what he did with who we had last year. Imagine what we could do with you. Right, and I think that's a big goal of a season like this, like the Jets are having, and like the Bears had last year, and like other teams that we've mentioned with rookies the eagles in 20s in 2016 and yeah the rams back in uh back in 2016 as well so yeah that's kind of a goal that you want with your rookie quarterback at least show some promise and uh give potential free agents uh the the promise that you can tell them and say hey look we got this franchise guy we're on the way up not on the way down and you can come in here and be part of the solution and part of the future so that's definitely a big part of a season like this. And you know the Jets probably aren't going to make the playoffs, might not even get a winning record. And it wasn't a goal going to the season for them to make the playoffs. You just want Darnold to show promise and set the mm. foundation for something going forward. Give, uh, Have him show that he could be the centerpiece of something going forward. Build a team that potentially a new coach even might be excited about if it doesn't work out with Todd Bowles. And not just that, obviously free agents, like we said, Build something that people want to be a part of and that you can be confident in, can grow from within to be a contender going forward. That was going to be my last question, actually. Does this is this a future that includes uh, Todd Bowles? You know, I mean, you're three and four right now. This is going to be game number eight. So you'll either be four and four or three and five at the halfway mark. You know, what what do you think the future is with Todd Bowles? Say if you go three and five again and finish six and ten on the year. I mean, is this a is this a lame duck year for him because of the, you know, or, or is it a, you know, make all your mistakes now with the rookie quarterback kind of year for him? It's, it's really tough to uh, kind of picture that because I think it's somewhere in between mm. because I think, I think going into the year, you kind of thought he was going to be safe because like you said, it's a rookie quarterback. He can't be expected to succeed that much. And even beyond Darnold, the jets don't have that talented of a roster. So it's hard to give him, a playoff mandate or even a 500 record mandate with the situation that he's in in terms of the roster so i think he did have that kind of leeway coming into the year but the thing is just like any player you have to kind of evaluate them independent of wins and losses and say sure, sure. what are they doing well and are they fixing the issues that they have and with bulls i think when the jets were one and three and they had lost the game to Jacksonville 33-13 on the road. That was a loss that even though you expect the Jets to lose to the Jaguars in Jacksonville, in spite of the Jaguars' struggles of the past few weeks, even though you expect the Jets to lose to a team that talented on the road with the rookie, 
it, it was just an ugly way of losing. The Jets were time and time again getting beaten by the same exact plays, same exact routes, by the, run by the same guys defensively over and over, and they never adjusted. And it's stuff like that that is really frustrating, and it's something that has been a problem for this team since Bulls took over, just failure to adjust in-game, and especially on the defensive side where Bulls is supposed to be a pretty special kind of guy in terms of his leadership and developmental ability. What got him the job in the first place, uh, the defense has kind of failed to live up to the hype for a few years, and obviously now the talent is starting to build up a little bit, having uh, gotten a few first-round picks in there, a few bigger money signings, but yeah, I think with Bulls, one of the big question marks is can he fix the issues that he had earlier in his career? And so far, it's been kind of yes and no. You've still seen, like I said, the failure to adjust in game, uh, game management issues, just not calling timeouts when they should be called, not being aggressive when you should be aggressive or being too aggressive, just uh, being too aggressive when you shouldn't be. So I think with Bulls, the thing is, if they get to seven wins, I think that you could say he'll probably be safe because the organization does like him. They don't. There are not really any rumblings of his job being in trouble. Uh, the owner speak speaks really good about him. Uh, Chris Johnson, who's the interim owner, uh, while Woody Johnson's out in England or whatever he's doing. So, yeah, the ownership speaks really good of him. So, I think as long as the Jets win at least seven games, I think that's the number for him to hit because. Short of seven, if the Jets win six games, this would be their third straight year with either five or six wins. And at some point, that's just not acceptable, regardless of circumstance. Because the Jets did still spend a lot of money in free agency this year, even if the roster still isn't that promising. So six wins or less, I think it's a coin toss and that you could really easily see him out the door. But if he gets to seven or even especially eight, I think then it does seem kind of preposterous to just put one number on it and say, if he hits this, he's good. If he doesn't hit this, he's out. But generally speaking, I think if he can get seven or eight wins with Darnold starting all 16 games as a 21-year-old rookie, I think that's something you could look at and say, all right, well, let's see what he could do with a second-year Darnold and more cap space. But short of seven, I think at that point, you got to say, we're just not progressing. And I think five or six wins that the Jets do struggle like that uh, down the, the second half of this year, then I think it, you could really easily see the Jets kind of move on and make a move like the Rams did and like the Bears did to an offensive kind of guy to fit in with their young quarterback. Sure, sure. Um, I've always um, respected Todd Bowles. He actually did spend some time in Chicago as one of our assistants uh, for a while. and But I've always had a, a kind of gut feeling about him, like when the Jets hired him as a head coach, I didn't really think he was a head coach kind of guy. I, th- I think that um, the comparison that I made was that he'll be the next uh, Wade Phillips, that um, you know that guy that couldn't quite put it together as a head coach but is an absolute mastermind as a defensive coordinator. So if things don't work out with the Jets, I have, I'm fully confident that wherever Todd Bowles ends up you know, running a defense again, he'll once again be one of the top defensive coordinators in the league because – He's a guy that better manages a unit as opposed to managing a football team. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's a sentiment uh, a lot of fans have about him. Uh, I don't think anyone questions his ability to his understanding just of defense. Uh, He's a great safety when he played a really good safety, won a Super Bowl at the Redskins. So no one questions uh, his uh, 
his ability to just understand defense and what he did in Arizona was really impressive. And obviously, uh, coaches speak great about him. Uh, whoever uh, comes out with quotes who worked with him before, nothing but good things to say about him. And in terms of off the field, he it's the complete opposite of the guy that preceded him, Rex Ryan. He not that there's been way less drama, even when the Jets have been bad, there hasn't been too much drama off the field since he's come in. So that's a good thing. But I, th- I like what you said in terms of overall just not being able to manage the whole team. It, that's kind of the biggest question because on the offensive side, he's really been not that involved. But the Jets have still have had a revolving door at offensive coordinator. They've had three offensive coordinators in the four years he's been there. They haven't really been able to pick a guy and stick with it there. So, yeah, I think in terms of his ability to manage an entire team, that's the biggest question mark. And as much as you want to put a win-loss number on it over the course of the rest of the year, you just want to see him be able to show you that he's a guy who could lead a championship football team going forward, not just a championship defense, but an entire team. So whether or not he can show you that without winning football games, that's a kind of a tough thing to ask of a coach because at the end of the day, they're judging how many games they win. But with this kind of roster, it is hard to judge a coach on how many games he wins. So I think that the seven-win benchmark kind of makes sense. If if you win seven or eight games with a rookie like Darnold, a young rookie starting for week one, that's a good base to build off of, like the Eagles did a couple of years ago. Right. Uh, they gave Doug Peterson another year. Obviously, he made the most of it. In a different situation, Peterson was a rookie. Bulls is in his fourth year. But So we'll see. I think if I were to predict right now, I, I would think Bulls would be the head coach next year because I don't think the Jets are going to completely mess up the rest of the season. I think they can get seven wins, and I think that this organization does believe in Bulls, so I would think he'd be there next year. But if the Jets do melt down, which I think is definitely possible, then I think that then it's definitely a possibility he doesn't return. Right. Well, Mike, I, I appreciate your time, and uh, hopefully the um, you know the health of the team definitely improves i mean it can't get any worse right or or at least not much worse uh anyway uh i hope you crash and burn on sunday because my bears need a win that is absolutely (laughs) for sure but uh but after that uh i I wish you guys the uh the best and um i really would like to see uh darnold succeed because um god knows you know we both have young quarterbacks on our teams and and this league definitely needs some new blood at the position which is why i think everyone's so excited about guys like Mahomes and Carson Wentz and and Jared Goff and then you know in some in some circles you know the progress Trubisky has made so far this year or those he's been he's been inconsistent and everyone's you know happy with the progress that you know Mayfield has shown flashes Darnold has done good things so it's it's definitely a good thing to see this infusion of young quarterbacks maybe being the next generation so we don't have to keep want you know watching the Brady's and Roethlisberger's and Breeze's and Rogers yeah. constantly dominating yeah. the league. Some of these younger guys come up and uh, you know knock the old dogs off the pedestal and, and uh, get some new blood in this league going forward. Yeah, from your lips to the ears of the football gods. I mean, <laughs> it's kind of like a little, it's kind of like a little uh, click between these young quarterback teams. Um, even though Jets fans like obviously want to beat the Browns and they want to beat the Bills, who have Josh Allen, it's kind of like a little. A uh, little friend group, you know, like we want to see Baker Mayfield do well. We want to see Josh Rosen do well. And no, we don't want to see the Bills win and we want to see Josh Allen suck. But I mean, it'd be pretty cool to have two young quarterbacks in the same division playing really good. So enough of Brady and Rodgers. Let's 
bring in this new era and have these new rivalries from the same draft class, guys that we are uh, Photoshop Jets uniforms in uh, four different guys <laughs> wearing green and white. So, yeah, let's start some new rivalries up. Amen to that. Well, Mike, thanks so much again uh, for coming back on. I uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. Uh, where can we find you guys? Uh, where can we find you online? Do you, are you in a, doing a podcast these days? Uh, I do. I run a podcast at turnonthejets.com called right. the Know Your Boat podcast. Um, looking at the Jets opponents each week. So I uh, went over the Bears week with Brian Perez, who writes Bear, Bears uh, writes on the sure. Bears for the Bears Wire. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was tremendous. So definitely a great preview of the Bears there. He had all the Bears acumen. So, yeah, Know Your Foe's doing really good. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Michael underscore Nania. And uh, most of my writing on the Jets at gangreennation.com. And, yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much uh, for coming back on, man. And, uh, you know, like I said, uh, good health on Sunday. But uh, I hope, hope you crash and burn. The Bears really need a victory. Hey, that's fair. Just better draft position to get me a new left guard or left tackle. Amen. Michael N- <laughs> uh, Nania helping us preview week eight between the Bears and the Jets this coming Sunday. I want to thank Mike for uh, coming back on the show. And uh, like we talked there at the top of the interview, it's already week eight. How disgusting is that? And it's already been four months since we had Mike on during the summer to preview the season with the Jets and, and everything. And it's like it's been 16 weeks since we talked already. I mean, that's madness. And here we are, you know, the, the midway point of the season. It's like, Jesus Christ, how, where does it go, man? Where does it all go? So but nonetheless, it is what it is, and uh, we, we, we heard uh, when we asked Mike about it and, and, and uh, the strategy for, for Sunday would very, much be, and, uh, would very much be what the strategy was to beat the Bears a year ago uh, at this time. You shut down the running game. You put the ball in that rookie quarterback's hands, make him beat you with that less-than-stellar uh, wide receiving core uh, that he has, uh, you know, that depleted unit that he's got. His, it sounded like his top three receivers aren't playing, or at least if, you know, one of the top, I think Javon, Curse, uh, not Javon Curse, but Jermaine, Jermaine Curse, that's his name. Um, if he plays on Sunday, he's not going to be 100%. Uh, Isaiah Crowell is not going to be 100%. He may not play. So coming out of the, the backfield, their best runner might not be on the field uh, for them either. So it's definitely sizing up to be a big day for the Bears on defense, take advantage uh, of a wounded animal so you know but that's the thing about wounded animals you don't want to corner them uh, or they uh, or they lash out so it's uh, one thing that we want to see you know will the Jets just stand back and take a beating from the Bears or will the Bears corner this wounded animal and then have it backfire uh, on them so we definitely don't want to see that we're definitely going to be looking better this weekend we got the throwbacks that's going to be nice I like the throwbacks no logos on the helmets. Not a fan of that. But nonetheless, I still like the uniform. Uh, it's much better than those goddamn orange pumpkin. Ugh. Anyway, um, but that's the strategy. And, and it seems like a sound one. And the stats don't lie either. I mean, when I asked him right about it, at, at a, at, asked him about it right at the top of the, the interview, it was like just, look, a, just a blind look at the schedule. 
of uh, the seven games that they've played so far. In their victories, they've scored 48, 34, and 42 points. And in their losses, they're averaging, you know, what, 17 points, something like something like that, maybe. 17, 12, 17, and 12 are their, are their four losing uh, point totals. So basically, if, if the offense is scoring points, there's a pretty good chance that the, the Jets are going to win. If they stay somewhere in the teens, it's usually because their opponent is running rough shot uh, on them. So, I mean, it's, uh, it's not a hard formula to figure out. If we can slow down that running game, something that the, um, the, uh, the Broncos and the, the Lions uh, could not do uh, in those games. And then two weeks ago, when they, who was it that they beat two weeks ago? The Colts? Three weeks ago, they played the, the Broncos two weeks ago. But, you know, they, they ran up the score uh, on those guys. So they're, they're kind of shaping up to be this team that has to outscore their opponents. And, um, you know, as long as the Bears can bottle that up, that kind of plays right into our hands. Um, even though the offense has been the better unit, we're still more of a defensive-minded team as far as, like, where the strength and talent is uh, on our football team. So we need a bounce-back week from our defense. I mean, even in losing efforts, we haven't had any problems generating turnovers. We got two, two from the Dolphins and three from Brady and company uh, on on this past Sunday. So it doesn't seem like turnovers is going to be an issue, or at least having opportunities for turnovers uh, against the Jets. And it just kind of all falls on the offense again. If the defense can get back to its normal self again uh, against the Jets, it's going to be on the offense, or it's going to be on Trubisky. Despite what Nagy says about him having a better game than most people think, that's fine, you know, because you do have the inside information. You do know what you were looking for and, and all that kind of stuff. You want to give Mitch a passing grade on what happened on Sunday, go right ahead. But from the layman's side of things, Trubisky's was throwing the ball all over the place. When he was good, he was great. When he was bad, he was horrible. And we can't have those extremes and expect to keep winning football games. And we've lost the last two. Uh, because of it so uh, Mitch needs to come out and and find somewhere in the middle I mean it doesn't have to be explosive hitting guys 50 yards down the field but I would much rather find him throwing the football in the neighborhood of where his receivers are because you know we, we saw the worst of him last week doing the things that that were plaguing the offense early on with him forcing throws to guys that weren't open missing guys that were wide open he missed at least two touchdown throws to Anthony Miller last Sunday uh with overthrows or actually he one was underthrown and that was picked off uh by the by the Patriots and then last week two passes that were that could have been should have been picked off uh in the end zone uh by the Patriots last week that would have you know launched Trubisky's interception total to four instead of just two so you know be the the more consistent the smarter the safer guy the in, in against tampa than you were against the the patriots uh this past sunday we, we need somewhere more in the middle so maybe we don't get the extreme of throw it all over the field mitch that we had against tampa bay but we want to get a, as far away from the other extreme which is inconsistent forcing throws missing wide open throws that uh, we've been seeing a little bit too much of so far um, in this campaign. So, uh, and, and also, to give Mitch a better chance, let's run the ball more, and when we do, let's run it a bit better. You know, let, let's give Jordan Howard an opportunity, you know, or the, the, um, 
the quantity of, of carries to, to build on it because, you know, Jordan Howard finds success when he's had a 20-plus carry kind of day. And I think he's only done that once or so, so far this year. And uh, I would like to see him get a bit more of it, get him between the tackles, get him running downhill, let him do what he does, let him do what, what got him 1,300 yards as a rookie and 1,100 yards again last season with no back in the history of our storied franchise has ever done. Let's run the football more. Let's do it off the play action. Let Mitch, you know, have more of a field day kind of throwing the football because those safeties are trying to inch up to stop the run. Let's get something going uh, in the passing game there and get somewhat of a rhythm going instead of the inconsistency that we've been seeing on offense. And then like we like Mike and I were talking about on the defensive side, shut down the run because it might not even be Isaiah Crowell that we're worried about this weekend. Um, whoever it is that's running the football, Shut that down. Let's uh, do what teams did against us. Let's put eight in the box. Let's load that bad boy up and force it to be Darnold throwing to this depleted wide receiving core. Make him beat us on Sunday. And I think it will open us up to a lot of opportunities where we can get the ball back to our offense and try to put some points on the board and pull away from the Jets on Sunday. So that's all I got for the week eight preview of the Bears Talk Underround. Come back on Monday when we will review this game with the Jets. Are we looking at our third straight loss? Are we a losing football team now? Going from three and one down to three and four? Or are we back to our winning ways with our easiest game of the year coming up next week uh, against the Bills, who are flat out awful right now? But, uh, you know, we can't sleep on the Bills because they've won two games beating Minnesota handily in Minnesota and then edging out the uh, the Tennessee Titans. Now, granted, the Titans are struggling right now, but they are a, a playoff team uh, from a year ago. So they won two games they had no business winning, and they've gotten trounced in other games where they conceivably had a much better chance to win. So they're a very hard game, a very hard team to figure out. And we'll talk to uh, Sean Murphy from Buffalo Rumblings next week. Uh, about the Bills to see what the hell's going on out there uh, in Orchard Park. So come back on Monday. We'll review this game. Will it be a victory Monday that we so desperately need? The, I think it would be the first one in October that will uh, you know help us move along and, and get our first win against the AFC East. Or will we be cursing our existence as Bear fans because they're doing it to us again? So come back on Monday and find out. Until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Bears Talk Underground. <laughs>